When you see what's going on in the global economy, when you see what's happening in the world now, if you're not taking at least some prudent, sensible steps to make sure that you and your family are going to be okay, if things go haywire for a little while, uh, I think you're not doing your duty. I think you're being foolish. I think you're gambling in a way that's irresponsible. Welcome back to Liberty and Finance. We have a returning guest. Alex Newman is a journalist and educator. He's also an advocate for home education and for standing up for our rights and our freedoms in the face of government overreach. He's here with us again on Liberty and Finance. Alex, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Dunnigan. It's great to be with you. It's been about a month since we spoke with you. And since then, the stories you've been warning us about that you said would be coming, this onslaught of basically government indoctrination of our children and our families and uh, trying to get us to be complicit in surrendering our freedoms voluntarily has accelerated. There was just a very high profile story that came out on all the national media about a week ago about Project uh, and Veritas, who did a behind the scenes undercover video expose of a honors high school uh, public school teacher in California dedicated to creating revolutionaries in his classroom, as he put it. Can you tell us what we know about that and why it may not be as uncommon as people might think and uh, why you've been warning us about this for some time? Yeah, thank you, Dunnigan. And this story that just came out from Project Veritas was interesting. It was an actual member of Antifa. He put up an Antifa flag and an LGBT flag in his classroom. And he was caught on camera saying, hey, I've got 180 days to turn these children into revolutionaries. He said he wanted to make them into martyrs for the cause. Uh, literally, he viewed his role not as actually educating these students, but indoctrinating them into brainwashing them into becoming uh, cannon fodder for a communist revolution. Uh, for those of you who don't understand the significance of that, you probably have not been paying attention for the last hundred years when communists have been slaughtering, butchering, torturing hundreds of millions of innocent human beings in the most barbarous fashion imaginable. But what I tell people is that's not even the problem. Uh, this lunatic teacher he is a nothing in the big scheme of things. He is not even the tip of the iceberg. The entire system was designed, was created to do what this teacher inadvertently re revealed on camera to the American people. Uh, if you trace the origins of the American public education systems back to the very beginning, um, every single one of the key people in the creation of the government school system, in the takeover of education from the parents and from the churches and from the private sector to put it into the hands of government, every single one of the key people to a man was a communist who rejected God, who rejected the Bible, who wanted to use the school system to shift the views, the beliefs, the attitudes of children away from uh, our Christian republic, individual liberty, God-given rights type uh, foundations in this country toward a collectivist utopia. Uh, that's not my opinion. That's not a theory. It's not extrapolation. It's a documented fact, and I could name them all. You've got Robert Owen. You've got Horace Mann. You've got John Dewey. If you go back and read their writings, this is what they wanted. It just so happens that this doofus got caught on camera saying what so many others uh, have, have envisioned all the way from the beginning. They just weren't dumb enough to say it in such a public setting. Let's hit on a couple of points that you just touched on. One is this idea of restricting thinking and uh, restricting access to books and to history and everything in the name of free thinking. So those who say we're going to we're going to liberate you from the oppression of these hierarchical structures that have want, tried to tell you what to think, we're going to set you free so you can be a free thinker. Then they end up 
burning all the books, changing the history, all this sort of thing. Can you talk to us about that? Well, then again, you have to understand all, all of those previous books, all that philosophy, all those great works of literature, all that art, all those history books, those were all the product of bourgeoisie thinking, okay? Or in, in the American context, those were the, the products of white supremacy and colonialism and imperialism and genocide. And so all of that needs to be thrown away so that we can have a, a new blank slate to write on. And, and that's really where these people are coming from. That is how they justify all this to themselves. Uh, we actually saw a very clear example of this during the Cultural Revolution in China. China. Uh, Chairman Mao uh, and his minions went around and they burned down libraries, they burned the books, they murdered the history professors, they tore down the statues, uh, and, and they said they were liberating people, right? And, and the, the thinking was all of that came from uh, the old era, the old culture with the old habits. And that was oppressive. That was bad. That was all created by people who wanted to oppress you. And they designed the whole system to oppress you. And so in the name of tearing down the system and building up a new revolutionary system, we've got to get rid of all that old stuff. We've got to murder the people who still cling to those old ideals. So it looks a little bit different in the American context than it did in the Chinese context than it did in the Russian context. But ultimately, what we're dealing with is the same thing. Uh, you've got to rewrite the old history history, because everything prior to the revolution has to look bad, has to look horrible, has to look oppressive. Otherwise, how do you justify the things that are being done in the name of the revolution, right? It has to be better than it was before. And the, the dictatorship of the proletariat in the case of Russia or China uh, in, in America of, uh, you know, the uh, oppressed masses, I guess, um, it's got to be somehow superior to what existed prior. And the only way you can make the case that it was superior is by destroying all evidence of what used to exist before. Uh, and so that's what we're in the process of seeing now. That's why they're taking down the statues. That's why they're getting rid of all the old history books. They're literally throwing them out. Uh, Google is uh, delisting, de-indexing. They're rewriting their algorithms so that you'll never inadvertently come across truthful information about what things used to be like. Uh, it's it, The parallels are very eerie, but you have to understand from their perspective, this is an essential ingredient to creating the new society. But there's more to it than just old versus new. I think that that may be an important element like you're describing that we want to we want to say that what we're giving you is better than what came before. Therefore, we're going to uh, blank the slate from what came before. But why is it so often that the things that are targeted as the books that must be burned and that sort of thing are either, you know, religious in nature or that sort of thing where there's a higher moral call than the state? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. If you have a higher moral call than the state, uh, then by definition, you're not going to worship the state, right? It goes back to this idea that Hegel advocated that the state was really the embodiment of the divine of God on this planet, and all allegiance must be owed to the state by everyone. Um, it, it's a blasphemous idea. You're, you're turning the state into an idol. Uh, of course, the state uh, doesn't love you. The state is not going to feed you. The state is not going to uh, take care of your immortal soul. But this this is what the state wants us to believe and those people who have set up the state as an idol. Uh, it's an absolutely critical component of this. Um, it also, I, I think it, there's a deeper explanation to all of this. Uh, when you look at Marxism, uh, we've been told that Marxism is an atheist philosophy, an atheist economic system. And Marx famously said that religion is the opiate of the masses. And so communists justify the burning of these religious texts, the, the smashing of churches, right? The Soviets were obsessed with blowing up churches, with turning them into, you know, discos for people to go uh, make out and stuff. Uh, and, and there's a reason why, right? So officially it was because religion is the opiate of the masses. 
That was the way that the bourgeois kept control of the peasants. So that instead of trying to get a better life in this life, they would just be content knowing that there was going to be something better in the next life. Uh, so that was the official explanation for why these things was done. But uh, I actually have a book with me, and I don't think anybody can truly understand Marxism without understanding the information contained in this book. Uh, I've got it in my other library, not behind me, or I'd pick it up and show it to you. But it's called Marx and Satan. And it was written by a, by a guy who um, really was in a position to know, a Romanian pastor by the name of Richard Vermbrandt. He spent nine years being tortured in a Romanian gulag by communist barbarians. And when he got out, uh, you know, he was converting all the prison guards. He was preaching the gospel to them, and he was singing uh, hymns while they were torturing him. He, they just couldn't understand it. But when he got out, he he had this hypothesis that, well, uh, communism uh, must not just be atheistic. This is satanic. This comes from the pit of hell. Uh, that was his hypothesis. And so he started collecting research. He started gathering information. And what he found was, wow, he was more right than even he could have possibly imagined. This marks ideology, if you will, was much more than that. It was much more than just the rejection of God, the, the denial of God's existence. And what he found was an enormous amount of evidence showing that Marx was, in fact, a Satanist. Uh, if he, For example, he quotes a lot of Marx's old poetry, and I don't remember it off the top of my head, but he has one where he says, uh, with Satan, I have struck my deal, right? I mean, just openly declaring his allegiance to Satan, admitting that he created some sort of compact with the Prince of Darkness. Uh, he's got others where he talks about how he just has this hatred for God, and he wants to destroy everything that God has ordained. And when you think about Marxist philosophy, it is at its core and at the antithesis of everything that God revealed. I mean, it is Satanism distilled to its essence. God ordained that there should be private property. Marx says private property is at the root of social oppression, and so we need to dismantle private property. We need to steal everything from everyone. Whereas God said, thou shalt not steal, Marx says we must steal everything. Uh, God said, thou shalt not murder. Well, Mar what does Marx say? We have to murder everybody who stands in the way, right? They're standing in the way of this utopia. Uh, he was literally an advocate for genocide, for exterminating entire people groups. Uh, he believed that capitalism was you know, a, a stage before progressing to socialism and communism, and he believed that people groups that had not yet attained the capitalist stage, he talked about the Scottish Highlanders, for example, they just needed to be wiped off the face of the planet. I mean, they're, 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 they're primitive. They, they just need to be eradicated. He, he was an advocate of mass murder. Uh, God ordained the family. God ordained marriage. And so Marx said, we have to get rid of marriage. Uh, not only should there not be a monogamous man-woman relationship for life, he said women should be held in common. Uh, everybody should be allowed to have relations with a particular woman. And children, then, the, the children that result from those unions, nobody will know who their father is. Children will be raised by the collective, by the state, right? This is taking everything that God teaches and flipping it exactly on its head. You go through each of the commandments, right? Have no other gods before me. Well, you make the state God, right? Don't make for yourself any idols. Don't make for yourself any graven images. Well, the state becomes this super idol. Uh, on every single point, uh, the, the Marxists come down on the wrong side. And it's not because they're atheists. It's because this is a demonic, diabolical idea. And so when you ask, why, why are they so obsessed with burning religious books? Yes, in, in one sense, they want to make sure that you don't have allegiance to anything higher than the state, in this case, being God. And that's why, for example, the communist Chinese are ruthlessly persecuting the Uyghur Muslims, too. Right? They're, they're equal opportunity persecutors. If you have a God higher than the God of the state, you must be destroyed. But ultimately, we're we're dealing with a satanic system uh, that was developed by a satanic mind. I, I'm convinced with uh, satanic assistance. And uh, and that is why you have this obsession with destroying churches, destroying uh, religious literature, waging war on the Bible, and destroying everything that God has ordained. You've 
jumped probably because we went right to the heart of the matter. You jumped past all the other spokes of the wheel. I was going to ask you about is this this word is sort of the uh, how we get sold over and over through history. This idea that things are going to be so much better in this new utopia. You use that utopia, and you went. And that's where I was going to ask you: How do you get from utopia to genocide? I think you already you already took us in fast forward across that. Also, how do you get from everything that's going to be free? We're going to give you, you know, free education, free universal basic income, free, and all of a sudden you end up under total control. We're witnessing in what feels like fast forward over the past year and a half across the whole globe. This idea that, oh, don't worry, we've got unlimited support. You know, you mentioned property rights. You'll own nothing and be happy, coming from Klaus Schwab of the IMF and so on. Talk to us about the current day right now in our face in the last year in particular, and perhaps in the next year, what's been already kind of hinted is coming, examples of where we're being told utopia is on its way and we're going to end up with genocide, or we're being told freedom Free things are coming, and we're going to end up with not, you know, owning nothing and being under complete control. Yeah, we are very rapidly moving toward the global culmination of this effort. Uh, the type of things we've seen in China and Russia and Cuba, et cetera, uh, I, I suspect that we are just on the verge of seeing that type of thing take place at the global level. Uh, increasingly, we see the boundaries of nation states being knocked down, being uh, undermined. We're being told that borders are racist. And, uh, I mean, that same video that the World Economic Forum put out saying you will own nothing, but you'll be happy. They said, get ready because a billion people are going to have to flee their countries because of climate change, and the West is going to have to welcome them. The United States and, and Western Europe, what used to be called Christendom, uh, is going to have to assimilate this this mass, one billion people. Uh, when you realize that the entire population of the United States and, and Europe is not a billion people, you realize the scope of the changes that they're envisioning. Uh, and, and when you look at the global system that they're advocating, um, it is very much uh, technocracy. It is very much fascism, and it is very much Marxism and communism, uh, all fused into one. Right? Uh, they, they've realized that Marxism as an economic system really doesn't work. I mean, it, it's so ineffective. Even if you have master central planners, that uh, it, it's just not a viable system, and and it ends up leaving the leaders in in more poverty than they would like to be in anyway. So they figured out uh, using communist China really as the petri dish that it's you can still have total domination of the society. You can still have total oversight and control of people while still allowing enough market forces enough. Uh, market signals to make the production a little bit more efficient. And so in, in China, yes, you still have prices. Uh, you still have a stock market. It's true. Uh, of the 25 biggest companies listed on the Shanghai Stock Exchange, almost every single one, I think 24 out of 25, is majority owned by the Communist Party of China. Uh, so yeah, the government still owns the means of production, but there's some price discovery there. So they've figured out how to create this hybrid of the satanic ideas of Karl Marx while still being able to harness some of the benefits benefits of market forces to create what they think will be the perfect totalitarian global system. And that's the direction they're moving us toward right now. Uh, they used to say you were a conspiracy theorist and a kook if you suggested that this is what was happening. Uh, we've moved beyond that now. Now they don't say you're a conspiracy theorist or a kook for saying that we're moving toward a great reset and uh, we're not going to have private property rights anymore. The UN is going to call the shots. Now they just say that you're an extremist and a bad person and a hate group and a, a homophobe or a xenophobe or you know, pick your, your nasty term. Uh, if you don't agree 
agree that this is a good idea to move in that direction. But I think the Great Reset really needs to be understood as the new marketing slogan for totalitarian globalism. Now, to be clear, Marx was always an advocate of global government. Uh, Marx's predecessors, if you go back to Adam Weishaupt, the founder of the Illuminati in the late 1700s, uh, he believed in world government. He believed in smashing all the nations, the governments, and the religions uh, to create a one-world system. So we're moving now toward the creation of this single global system. And there's even a sense, you know, a lot of people think that we won the Cold War and that, that we proved the superiority of freedom over slavery. And what they don't realize, I've actually got some of the books behind me, is that even what we were told about the end of the Cold War is not the full story, right? Uh, there was a, a defector from the Soviet Union by the name of Anatoly Golichin, and uh, he came over and he first went to the CIA and he told them what was going on. He had worked in Department D of the KGB, the disinformation department, and he said, look, I'm telling you, since the 60s, they have been preparing for the orchestrated fraudulent collapse of the communist bloc to disarm the West, to make the West uh, go back to sleep and, and, and lay down their weapons and think that they were victorious. Uh, and he warned that this was coming before it happened. I mean, he published these books in the early 80s and he gave names and he gave dates and he said what was going to happen. He, he named people like Lech Valesa and said that he was working with the communists. We were told that he was an anti-communist freedom fighter. Here, this whistleblower said, nope, he's on the communist payroll. Well, uh, just a few years ago, the Soviet archives were released. We found out Lech Valesa was on the KGB payroll. His code name was Bolek. Uh, this guy, Anatoly Golichin, made 200 predictions about what was going to come, and he was right on every single one out of, out of about 200, 195 or 196 have come true. They were going to dismantle the Berlin Wall. Uh, they, they were going to allow freedom in some of the Eastern European states. But he said behind the scenes, the communists would remain in control of everything. And then he said, and this, this is the, the point of bringing all this in. One of the predictions that has not come true yet is that after the West was completely disarmed, was completely running itself into the ground, celebrating victory in the Cold War, there was going to be what he described as a second October Revolution. This was going to be on a global scale, bringing together the former uh, communist powers of Eastern Europe, the Soviet Union, the Chinese, and they were going to have a global revolution to bring the world under total global control of this system. And that sounds implausible until you realize that the very same elites that helped bring the Soviet Union to power, the very same elites that financed Lenin and Trotsky. If you don't know that story, go pick up uh, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution by historian Anthony Sutton of Stanford University. He shows that the megabanks of Wall Street funded the communist revolutionaries who helped enslave Russia. When you realize that they've all been working together all along, suddenly it makes a lot more sense. Uh, we're moving very rapidly toward a technocratic global system where individual freedom will be eradicated. It'll basically be like communist China on a global level. And, you know, I, I don't believe that these totalitarians are going to have the last word, but that's the direction they're moving us toward. In our current year right now in the last say last even last three months next three months people are looking for corroboration uh what signs are you seeing happening right now that people can relate to that that show that they should pay attention to this this uh scenario this this narrative that you're laying out and and not think oh this is just some harebrained uh you know uh crackpot idea but this is actually describing what we're all being subject to, even though it's being labeled uh, other things. Yeah, well, there, there are several things where they've made it really obvious the direction that they're moving in. Uh, one of the things that I think is really significant on the religious side of this is the Vatican's moves to plug into this global system. Uh, just within the last few months here, uh, the uh, the Pope Francis Bergoglio has come up with this, what he calls the Vatican Council for Inclusive 
capitalism. And I encourage people to go look at this. I mean, they put out YouTube videos. They made a whole website about it. They literally partnered with the Rothschild banking dynasty, uh, the most influential bankers on planet Earth, uh, to create this global alliance for radically transforming the global economic system. And if you look at what they're saying, I mean, this isn't me saying this. This is them saying this. We're going to completely restructure how the economy works. Uh, under a free market system, corporations historically have been interested in increasing shareholder value and making profit. And how do they make profit? How do they increase shareholder value? They serve, right? They find a need in the market. They find customers who want something and then they produce that thing more efficiently with higher quality than other players. So what does that result in? It results in a constant expansion of material prosperity, a constant innovation, constant expansion of uh, prosperity. Well, what happens with this new model? They, they tell you we need the companies now need to start pursuing what they call ESG, right? the environmental and social and governance goals. So really what they want is these companies focus not on shareholder value, not on earning profit by satisfying the needs and wants of customers, but rather on meeting the goals and, and obeying the dictates of the ruling class, of the elites, uh, whether that be environmental or social or governance related. And uh, this is exactly the time of type of economic system that the fascists developed, right? A national socialism under Adolf Hitler. Yeah, you could keep your factory on paper. It still said you owned your factory. But guess what? You couldn't produce what you wanted in your factory. You couldn't charge what you wanted to charge for what you produced in your factory. You had to produce what the National Socialist, the Nazi dictatorship told you you had to produce. You had to produce it when the Nazis told you to produce it with what the Nazis told you to produce it with, and you would get paid whatever price they said was appropriate. So the goal was not anymore satisfying the needs and wants of customers and making profit. The goal was doing what the political elites, the, the ruling class tells you to do. This is the system they're moving toward worldwide. And again, they're telling you uh, the Great Reset is another very, very significant uh, uh, marketing slogan for this. And again, don't believe me. Uh, I, I was the first one in America to report on the Great Reset. And I don't say that's to toot my own horn, but people are like, how could you know that? Well, I watched the summit where they unveiled it for crying out loud. They had Klaus Schwab, uh, the head of the World Economic Forum, explain what it was. They had the head of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, a socialist. Uh, he used to run the Socialist International. They had a uh, Cristal. Georgieva, the head of the IMF. Uh, here's another way you can know that this is going on. The IMF is right now in the process of creating $650 billion worth of new special drawing rights, right? As part of the transition into this new global system, we're moving from what was described as a unipolar world order, where the United States as the sole superpower basically decided what was going to happen, to this multipolar world order. Now, they've had this in the pipeline for at least 10 years that they've been talking about it. Uh, now we're moving in that direction. We see very clearly the new geopolitical realities in Afghanistan, right? America is leaving from there humiliated, broken, $6.5 trillion squandered to replace the Taliban with the Taliban. And what's happening? Communist China is going in. They're making billions of dollars worth worth of contracts. They're scooping up trillions of dollars worth of minerals, worth of lithium. So who was the big winner in all this? China. And when they talk about a multipolar world order, Beijing is going to be one of those poles. Moscow is going to be one of those poles. Uh, Berlin and Paris and London will be poles. The United States as a superpower, those days are waning. The U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency, those days are waning. That'll be replaced by the special drawing rights from the IMF. You can go to the IMF website and read all of what they're talking about with this $650 billion issuance. That's more SDRs, and SDR is kind of the proto-global currency, if you will, than the IMF has created in its entire history. 
Okay, and they're doing this now in the span of a few months. Uh, so very, very significant changes. Some of the other people they had uh, to unveil this great reset, you had Prince Charles, the heir to the British throne. Uh, you had Ma Jun, a very, very prominent Chinese communist, member of the Chinese Communist Party, uh, in charge of all their green schemes, uh, also a key operative at the uh, People's Bank of China, the Chinese Central Bank. You see now the rollout of digital currencies, the shift over to the quantum financial system, where uh, increasingly we're going to get rid of cash and we're going to move on to these uh, digital currencies that can be tracked and monitored and regulated and taxed and disappeared by uh, the technological overlords. So, I mean, you really, at this point, I think, Dunnigan, almost have to be hiding from reality to not see what's coming. I mean, if you turn off the television and just look at what's happening objectively, uh, I don't think you can come to any other conclusion. Now, the last few minutes, if we could spend talking about what people can do about it in their own daily lives, in their families, in their communities, in their own circle of influence, what can people do to opt out to the extent that it's still earthly possible from what you just described? Well, you know, the Bible tells God's people to come out of Babylon, right? And, and uh, in our context, I don't know that that necessarily means in a physical way, right? Uh, it doesn't mean you have to leave the United States of America necessarily, but opt out of their system to the, to the largest extent that you can. Uh, and that begins with very simple things. Nobody's forcing, forcing you to watch their garbage masquerading as entertainment on the television. Smash your television. There's no reason why you should be pumping that filth, that diabolical filth into your mind, much less the minds of your precious children and your family. Uh, when you could be doing something else. You could be reading the Bible. You could be uh, enjoying your time as a family. You could be enjoying nature, God's creation. You could be learning. You could be doing, right? Uh, so very simple. Unplug yourself from their propaganda network. Stop watching their fake news. You know, tune into shows like this one, right? Dunnigan, you do a, a fantastic job of bringing true and accurate and useful information to people. There's no reason to watch TV anymore. Uh, when it comes to the education system, opt out. There, there's no law saying your children have to go to a government brainwash camp. Homeschool them. Uh, put them in a good Christian school, a good private school in your community. Any kind of alternative to the government's dumbed-down system. You will regret leaving your children in the government school system. I can guarantee it. There is no doubt in my mind at all. Uh, it'll be a, a tragedy. And that applies to virtually everybody in the United States. Get your children out. Find other ways. Uh, find ways to become as independent from the system as you can. If you can have multiple streams of income, it's a very, very good thing. You don't want to be in a position where they can force you to take an experimental injection or you're going to lose your paycheck. Uh, you want to have uh, diversified. You want to have your assets in, uh, I, I think, a very diverse portfolio. You don't want to have all your eggs in one basket because the way that the economy is, is shifting right now, it's changing so rapidly, you don't know what could happen. You know, People say buy gold and silver. I agree. Gold and silver are, historically have been incredible stores of value. But in, in the 1930s, with an executive order, they confiscated everybody's gold. So you want to have all your eggs in that basket either. Uh, I tell people uh, getting some uh, agricultural land would be a very good idea, especially before Bill Gates buys it all. Make sure you have redundant sources of, of uh, fresh water. And you know, I, I believe, and I, I don't say this to be alarmist at all, I think if you, if you feel fear, uh, not only does God tell you he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Uh, God frowns upon it so much. Go back and read the book of Numbers uh, when the, the people were scared, when God's people were scared of the giants that they found in the land of Canaan. Uh, God got incredibly furious. He actually was going to destroy the people of Israel because uh, they, they had expressed fear in front of these uh, so-called giants in the land of Canaan. So fear is not an appropriate emotion. However, uh, we are told that we must 
protect our families. We must care for our families. Uh, and that includes caring for their physical needs. Now, I live in Florida. We get a lot of hurricanes here. Uh, it would be very foolish of me not to make at least some basic preparations so that if we lose power for a week or two, my family's not going to die. If I can't go to the grocery store for a week or two, we're not going to starve to death. We're not going to have to drink uh, you know, toilet water. Okay, We would be foolish not to take those preparations. Well, when you see what's going on in the global economy, when you see what's happening in the world now, if you're not taking at least some prudent, sensible steps to make sure that you and your family are going to be okay, if things go haywire for a little while, uh, I think you're not doing your duty. I think you're being foolish. I think you're gambling in a way that's irresponsible. So I, you know, I, I tell people that not to sound paranoid, not to sound alarmist, but to say, look, you have a responsibility to care for your family. Take some prudent preparations. Maybe that means having a little bit of extra food. Maybe that means having some backup systems for the things that you need. Maybe a little extra medicine if you're dependent on some kind of pharmaceutical drug. And I don't recommend being dependent on a pharmaceutical drug. But if you are, make sure you got some extra supplies of that. So uh, those are some basic recommendations that I would offer done again. But hey, most importantly, um, you know, visit your relationship with God. And if there are issues there, uh, that's really what you need to work on. Because I think the most important thing, if, if and when things get tougher, and I do believe that they will, uh, it's going to be psychological. Are you going to be able to handle the pressures and, and the, the changes and the, the really terrifying things that may happen. And a big part of that is going to be down to, you know, what is your relationship with your creator? If that's not in good shape, uh, that probably ought to be priority number one in terms of preparing. Alex, if people want to stay plugged in with your writings and your work and your research, where should they go? Uh, thank you, John. Again, uh, my personal website is libertysentinel.org. You can subscribe to our newsletter there. We don't send out stuff more than once every couple of weeks, just uh, key articles to stay on top of. Uh, I do a lot of other things. I've got a show on uh, Frank's speech. People can tune in there. Uh, I'm the executive director of Public School Exit. I'm a regular contributor to the Epic Times. I'm the senior editor at The New American Magazine. You can go to thenewamerican.com. Again, subscribe to our daily headlines for the crucial news news going on in the world. You can get weekly or monthly if you prefer. You can subscribe to the uh, to the print magazine as well. And then uh, for those of you who still do social media, I don't do much of that anymore, but you can still find me on uh, Twitter and Fascist Book, and I'm also on Gab and MeWe and a lot of the other uh, alternative ones. And uh, thank you once again for having me, Dunnigan. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure. It's an honor for us here on Liberty and Finance. You're always eye-opening and awakening, and the things that you told us about three years ago, two years ago, one go year ago are all playing out in the way that you cautioned us unless we took uh, appropriate action. So we'll take it to heart. Alex, thanks for joining us here again on Liberty and Finance. Thank you so much, Dunnigan. This week's special with Miles Franklin Precious Metal Investments. 2021 Type 2 American Silver Eagles for only $7.25 over spot. Call us at 1-888-81-LIBERTY. That's 1-888-815-4237. 